Anywhere that you walk in where you feel power, but you don't feel love, walk out. Anywhere that you walk in where you feel power and you don't feel love, walk out. Because everybody has access to power, but it is only the energy of love that mitigates that power and directs it. Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Hello, global family. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. I'm Shayna. I'm here with Lauren, and we are so excited to bring you this teacher that has touched both of our lives in a very deep and profound way. Her name is Yeye Louisa Tish. She is many things, and she is a teacher, dancer, storyteller, and high priestess. She is also an author, most notably of Jambalaya, the natural woman's book of charms and practical rituals. She was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Her father was an African Methodist Episcopal, and her mother was a Catholic of Haitian, French, and Choctaw heritage. Yegatish is a Yanifa and Oshun chief in the Yoruban tradition. She is quite literally one of the most well-known Yoruban priestesses around the world, and she's celebrated in goddess circles as a writer and ritual maker. She's such a legendary woman, and her positive impact is seen throughout the world. You will see it in our conversation today. In our conversation with Yeye, which is absolutely epic and funny and deep and profound, she shares her wisdom from the Yoruban tradition. So you'll hear us talk about Orishas, and most specifically, Oshun. Orishas come from the Yoruban tradition— And they are spirits of nature or deities of nature or the divine forces of nature that have a consciousness all in their own that can guide and heal. And as a priestess, Yeye has been working with these forces of nature very profoundly. And so we will dive into the power of this work as well as healing from the wounds of living in a patriarchal society that has disconnected us from nature, from ourselves and from each other, and also learn how we can be leaders, feminine leaders in these times as the world transforms. Enjoy. All right, here we are. Yay, yay, Luisha Tish. It is such a great honor to have you. It's 
truly something special for both Shane and I to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. So we were just talking about this, but I'm going to reiterate that, you know, on this journey that Shana and I are on, we're exploring the rise of the feminine, exploring these times, what they mean. And we have all these hypotheses about what it means to have the feminine rise and how that can restore balance to our world and what that can open up for us as a humanity. And so in this conversation, would love to just dive deep with you on your wisdom as a Yoruban priestess, your story, your journey, and your insight on these times we're living in and how we as women disconnected, who've been colonized and disconnected from nature and the wisdom of nature, how we can restore that. And so uh, first, I'd just love to pass it on to you to introduce yourself and say hello. I always begin by saying alafia. Uh, alafia is a greeting wherein I am asking that we have good health on every level and are at peace with our neighbors, you know. Now, this is a, a worthy greeting anytime, but it is especially important right now when we have the pandemics, not only of COVID, but of racism, of environmental degradation, of war, you know, of uh, just this free-floating negativity that is uh, a sign of decay. You know, we're in a decaying culture. I look at the, the, the business of, of the feminine rising has to do with the fact that nature always seeks a balance, you know. And patriarchy, the idea that we are here on the planet to exploit it and to exploit each other is leading us toward extinction, okay? And the both the ancestors and the earth herself is prompting us to come out of the materialist, patriarchal way of thinking and to counterbalance that by looking at um, a matristic, embracing way of thinking. You know, what we think impacts what we do. If we think that the earth is a place that we are supposed to just extract from, we will plunder until there is nothing. If we understand that the earth is a regenerating mother, okay, then we will uh, take the measures to be sure that that power is used in a balanced way. Now, that makes all the difference in the world as to whether or not we destroy um, the environment, if we overfish the sea, if we poison the sea, if we pollute the air, we have to understand 
that we're committing suicide. You know, that needs to be real clear in anybody's mind who thinks that taking matristic measures is somehow not productive or, you know, don't equate it with not having large sums of money or whatever. It, none of that matters if you can't breathe, mm-hmm. you know. I- yeah, yeah, I want to stop you there for a second because I'm I'm curious about this word matricide and what oh, matristic, you mean by- yes, matristic. <clears throat> I use the word matristic because um, the the way that we want to cultivate is not an archy. Okay, some people say patriarchy and mm. matriarchy, right? And the archy implies a power over. Mm. A power over patriarchy is power over male power over. Mm. All right. We are not seeking a female power over. Mm-hmm. We're seeking a, a power that is already within, mm-hmm. that has been suppressed, that reaches for balance rather than domination. And so um, I only use the word matriarchy when I am referring to a woman who is responsible for her whole family. Mm-hmm. Then she may be the matriarch, you mm-hmm. know, of the mm-hmm. family because the responsibility has been laid on her. But she is not, she is not duplicating patriarchy in a skirt, okay? She is looking for a way to um, have a balanced relationship. And so I use the word matristic to indicate a particular way of thinking, feeling, Mm -hmm. and doing that is uh, more nurturing than dominating. Yeah, I looked up the word and it says matristic being or relating to a prehistoric female led society based around the mother goddess worship. Exactly. So, yeah, it's really coming back to that earth spirit connection and uh, we're so disassociated in this time. So I want to take it to like the practical, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like we can hear about this stuff and it's something that Laura and I speak about a lot just in you know, understanding that this is where we are. We understand that the environment is crying for our help and that we're disconnected and that there's war going on. Mm -hmm. And what do we do? You know, Mm -hmm. as individuals, you can feel so disempowered as a human being, you know, just going about your day. It's like, how do we encourage people to step up and to believe that they have the resources within to make a change? So what we have to do now is go and look at the what happens when you drop a pebble in a pool of water, okay? Mm-hmm. I am the pebble. You are the pebble. So the first thing you have to understand is who I am, what kind of uh, gifts do I have, and what I am willing to do. Okay, Mm -hmm. then you ask the question, what am I supposed to do? What is my part in the overall healing Mm -hmm. of the planet? Okay, so that always means 
You have to heal yourself first. You have to first take a good look at you, okay? And then you make your contribution, and no contribution is too small, knowing that it's going to have a rippling effect. It will will, uh, vibrate outward in concentric circles, okay? Mm. You have to think that way in order to not be emotionally overwhelmed. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get emotionally overwhelmed from watching the news, you know. Oh my God. It seems like there's a war going on everywhere. And I can cast my vote to say stop the war. I can uh, participate in discussions to help people to understand uh, what's going on. Right now, I don't know if you can see it, but the T-shirt that I'm wearing says, we'll trade racists for refugees. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so I walk out in the street. Bumper stickers? Buttons? Is, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Bags. And and I walk out in the street and people say, what does your, what does your sweatshirt say? We'll trade racists for refugees then that's an opening for us to have a discussion about what is racism and why we should welcome refugees, you see. Mm-hmm. And so even though I'm not uh, sitting in an office in Washington, D.C., I have impacted somebody else's consciousness. Mm-hmm. That person is going to go talk to somebody else And as that effect continues to ripple out, you can feel like you are contributing uh, to the solution. Contributing to the solution can be as small as picking up some trash, recycling, you know, talking Mm -hmm. with other people about it. Uh, Yesterday, I was called upon to consult, uh, console a friend who was doing some work with indigenous people in Colombia and war broke out. You know, they started bombing. She had to escape. And so, you know, for me, being able to console her is my contribution to helping to heal what's going on in Colombia. Now, we can, once you know that you have some power to contribute something, then you get together with others who know they can contribute something and you do whatever is in front of you. I think it was uh, Arthur Ashe who said, uh, start where you are, use what you know, and do what you can. Start where you are, Use what you got and do what you can. If people could just accept that, you are never completely powerless. Right. That is easier. It's easier to mobilize people from that point of view than from thinking that there's this monstrous monolith that you have to knock down. You know, that that idea that we have to bomb everything, again, is a patriarchal approach. If we think about the fact 
that the waves of the ocean can reduce a mountain to sand if we consider that things move in cycles, mm -hmm. right? Then we can have a different way of dealing with stuff if we put our actions in the cycle of seasons, right? Mm -hmm. Then we start stuff in spring, we're in full bloom in summer, we harvest it in, in fall, and we rest in winter. You know, if we put our work in the flow of nature, there is always something to do. There is always some result, okay? And there is always time to rest and do self-care. Now, I was a child of the 60s, right? Okay. And we, we addressed everything as that Pluto and Leo generation. We addressed everything and found ourselves burnt out. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is, but, but, but it was that way because we were moving from a place of macho. Okay. Yeah. What's different this time is that we are wise enough to have it not be based on competitive economics or competitive um, weaponry or competitive exploration. We are now looking at everything from the point of view of being in sync with nature. Mm -hmm. Okay. I and we're going to operate differently. I have a question for you, Yeye. Mm -hmm. How did you learn this? What was your journey to really learning that you're a pebble mm -hmm. and you don't have to be macho, mm -hmm. but you're small and your concentric circle is mighty because it impacts all the other circles? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm very fortunate in two ways. Item number one, I had, Ibaye, she's crossed now, I had a miraculous mother. Okay, I had a miraculous mother. Uh, sometimes I say everything that I know, everything that I do, uh, is an outgrowth of seeds that she planted in me the first seven years of my life. You know, there's a, a black southern belief that um, the first seven years of a child's life is mother's responsibility, right? And then you sort of become a person. So she made sure that I had what's called home training. And her, her way of educating me was to sit me in front of the TV to watch Jacques Cousteau and the, you know, and National Geographic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Plus I lived, you know, um, in the, in the backwoods on the other side of the river from New Orleans in Louisiana and grew up with the trees and grew up with the animals and had to learn how to uh, deal with stuff. Plus my mother uh, had some uh, Native American lifestyle. So I saw her uh, making moccasins and the women in my community did rituals where they could make, they could make rain happen. And so this, um, this sort of led me on a quest to find out why are these women in my community so different 
from the mm. women on television, right? <laughs> you know, my mother did with witches. What's going <laughs> yeah, on? <laughs> I mean, you know, my mother did not wear high heels and pearls to wax her floor like the arrow wax lady on mm. TV, you know? <laughs> right. So I would ask them, why do you do this? They were interpreting dreams. They were making rain. They were talking to frogs. They were doing all kinds of stuff. And they would always tell me, well, this is what the old folks say. So I kept asking, who are the old folks? And finally, I asked Mama Ludi, who was the oldest person in the village. And she said, that's what the old folks say. And I started to realize the old folks ain't no folks walking around here now. Right. And so that led me to seeking out ancestor reverence. In that searching, I was very, very fortunate to arrive at a place where I came to know the Orishas. I think it's a, I, th I think it'd be good to give some context about what that means and mm -hmm. how your what your how your tradition relates to these beings of nature and how you would describe that. Okay. And then I have one more question after that. So Okay. So the first the first most important thing for me to say especially if People are seeking to connect to your spirituality, whether it is Orisha worship or Wicker or, or New Age thought, whatever kind of guidance you are seeking. My rule is anywhere that you walk in where you feel power, but you don't feel love, walk out anywhere that you walk in where you feel power and you don't feel love walk out because everybody has access to power but it is only the energy of love that mitigates that power and directs it okay mm -hmm. in orisha tradition and i, I want to say that the when I say the tradition, I am talking about um, all of the traditions that that survived the slave trade. You know what happened was people were were imported to this hemisphere under enslaved conditions, and attempts were made to strip us of our indigenous knowledge. But what occurred instead was um, both a blending of um, a blending of the ways of the indigenous people, the Native American people, and a blending of the quote unquote um, indentured servants or the the people who were pagans uh, who came from Europe and other places to this hemisphere, also under the oppression of the Christian church, okay? And so in trying to hold on to our knowledge in the environments that we were in, you got these blends of African, uh, indigenous Indian, and pagan European uh, factors, and it created traditions like the voodoo of Haiti and New Orleans like uh, Santeria and Lufumi, 
in the mm -hmm. Caribbean islands, like Candomblé uh, mm -hmm. in Brazil. Once I understood the, that my origins were Africa, I had a whole continent I could study. Once I came to understand that, and I need to say this really clearly, I need to say this really clearly. All people started out as indigenous people. Right. Okay. Everybody has a right and in fact a responsibility to look at the way we've all been colonized by patriarchy and patriarchal thinking. And it is important for people to know that that indigenous knowledge resides in the deeper layers of your consciousness and you need, uh, you need rituals and exercises to peel away the false effects of colonialism and get down to your natural self, okay? And, and I'm talking about reclaiming your indigenous mind, your indigenous spirit, blending it with all this knowledge and power that we acquired uh, from the patriarchal period and taming that energy to put it to use in the healing of what's going on here. People get mad at me sometimes because I say, we have it perfectly backwards right now, you know. Your intuition is your mammalian survival instinct and your connection to spirit, and your intellect should be in service to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, we got it perfectly backwards right now. It's all about the intellect, and we deny spirit, and we deny intuition, and we try to force everything into a test tube. That is perfectly right. backwards, mm -hmm. okay? That is perfectly backwards, okay? Um, you know, this whole exactly. thing about uh, male superiority and women wanting to be equal, I have to tell you that I honestly feel superior to the average man. I do. <laughs> I, I really do. Trying not to laugh right you now. You know what I'm saying? And when, when, we, when we talk, the, the real question for him should be, Mother, what is the best thing for us and how can I, you know, use my energy toward that good? You mm -hmm. see, if, if he can say that, then he has a matristic attitude, you see. And there are a lot of men that do. Absolutely. Especially, especially these days. There's so many men that are cultivating reverence for the feminine, reverence yeah. for the mother. And they know, I mean, they know that that is, that we have to return to cooperation right. rather than domination. Domination don't do nothing for nobody. Mm -hmm. You know, it's extractive, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it, and it, it comes subject. from fear. It comes out, it comes, out, it comes out of fear, you know. Right. So I was very, very blessed when I encountered Orisha 
And especially when it was determined that I am a child of Oshun. Mm -hmm. Okay. She is like the penultimate uh, feminine force. She is love in the, with a capital L. She is sexuality with a capital S, right? And she is enchantment. She's the sweet water of the earth. You know, what we cannot do without the sweet water of the earth. And so I am very, very fortunate because when a person goes through initiation, um, you receive from the deity guidelines for the rest of your life and you know you have more information about what your role is, okay? Plus, we consult the oracles for guidance. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to take this minute to say that I am so happy to say that, uh, and I'll send you all the prayers. Uh, every year, the priests of my tradition around the world get together and they perform divination and ask, uh, how are we given the spiritual energies that are manifesting now, how shall we conduct ourselves? Mm. And honestly, for the last, I would say, 20 years, actually, um, the message continues to say, the women need to lead. Mm -hmm. Listen to the women. Support the, support the women. So I know that the goddess is channeling ideas to us, mm-hmm. channeling feelings to us that will, uh, with the, with the, the, um, the energy of, of men who want to cooperate, we really can receive the guidance and do the work mm-hmm. to save ourselves okay we really need to be clear we're saving ourselves talking to you is like a drink of water it's so good it nourishes my soul it gives me chills you definitely are a daughter of Oshun. definitely <laughs> <laughs> the important thing to know is that no matter what kind of oppression you've been under the ways of your ancestors lie deep in your consciousness and it'll never be destroyed, but it takes different, different forms. Okay. So there were two primary beliefs that everybody held. Everybody understood that they had ancestors. You know, they didn't pop up out of thin air yesterday. And so everybody uh, has a way of recognizing the reality of the blood in your veins and the culture that you inherited. Everybody understood that everybody are children of nature. Okay, there's no existence without nature. And in most indigenous cultures, we um, personified our observations of nature. 
So if I, I mean, um, Jung called them overarching archetypes. Right. Okay. Capsules of energy that exist universally. You know, I tell people all the time, we make cultural notations on universal principles. If I say uh, mother, okay, if I say primal mother, some people will get an image of Mary and baby Jesus. Some people will get an image of Isis and Osiris. I will have an image of Yemaya and Shango, and somebody else might see a lioness with her cubs. Okay, that means mother. We understand that no matter who we are. It isn't always articulated that way. So what you have is item number one, you have the primal natural power of the river of sweet water on the earth that is Oshun. You have the Oshun River in Oshogbo, you know, that is uh, the cultural identification of sweet water in a specific place. And then you have sassy women like me, you know, who love sweets, like to dance, and and um, and tend to be sort of self-indulgent, and we are identified as the children of Oshun, okay? Mm. And so it is expected within the tradition that when I walk in the room, I'm going to bring Oshun's energy with me, okay? And that energy may be different from somebody who's a child of Oya. But the wonderful thing about the tradition is once you know who your Orisha is, it is an invitation to stop hiding that part of yourself that society told you you shouldn't have. Mm. How do you find out what you are? Um, <laughs> through a process of divination, okay, uh, you, you, you may be able to feel whose child you are, divination ascertains it. But I've gotten to the place where I can walk in a room and I can know how many mermaids in the room. You know, <laughs> children of Yemaya are really obvious. <laughs> am, am I one? Yes, you know, I mean, y'all have them eyes and <laughs> uh, sometimes I even see uh, fins. I even see fins on you. You know what I'm saying? I've over the years I've gotten pretty good at identifying uh, children of Orisha, even in the face of the great diversity that there is, mm -hmm. because of an energy that people are emanating. But mm -hmm. the best way is to uh, have divination performed to see who your head Orisha is. Now we can also say that people spend time in the energy of various orishas at various times and stages in your life. So as far as I'm concerned, all two-year-olds belong to a leg by the trickster. You know, two-year-olds are some of the trickiest people, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on in the world, okay? Anybody who is caught in the moment of passion, 
in lovemaking is in Oshun's energy. And every woman with a pregnant belly is in Yemaya's energy. Okay. Uh, if you are in a place where you have to tear down or deconstruct something in order for something else to come in, you are in Oya's energy. And no matter who your original Orisha was, every elder, every old person, anybody with white hair is moving into Obatala's energy. So when you really get into Orisha tradition, what you realize is that it is an expression of uh, psychology, what we presently call psychology, deep, deep psychology. But it is a psychology that is connected to the ecology, mm. not separate. Mm -hmm. Okay, not That's separate. Amazing. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. is uh, connected to creativity. If you think, oh, I'm not a creative person, I don't create much, start building your ancestor shrine and see what happens. You know, if you think, oh, I, I don't have much artistic ability, take on the assignment of, of creating an altar for Shum. And what happens is that inner muse uh, wakes up. I remember one time I was talking to Starhawk and she said, she said, Tish, uh, could it be that only beautiful people join your tradition? <laughs> I said, no. What <laughs> happens is people who think they're ugly get in here and discover they're beautiful. Oh, I love that. I've seen that happen. I've seen that in action on a spiritual path that I walk. I see people come in. I was probably one of them. Mm -hmm. And after they've been walking down this path for long enough, their face begins to change. It's like a like a gray gets lifted and it they begin to glow. Away. It falls so away. I encountered the Orishas as Orishas from the Afro-Brazilian traditions. Uh-huh. And I have had a deep journey into my own indigeneity mm -hmm. as a Celtic pagan. Mm -hmm. That's my lineage. But mm -hmm. through uh, Amazonian shamanism and also uh, African Yoruba, Yoruba com coming together, mm -hmm. I have had experiences that have been so deeply profound, specifically with Yemanya, who I <laughs> call Yemanja. Uh -huh. uh, Ianza, which I believe is Oya, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and Shango. Mm -hmm. And so I feel deeply connected and even sing songs to receive songs about. It opened up a channel for me. So what I love about this that was so empower was so empowering for me in reconnecting to my pagan roots, my ancestor roots, right. was the fact that you, what you're saying, it's deeply psychological and ecological. And ecological. And, and that brings me back to something I wanted to mention earlier. I have a teacher who walks in this tradition as well, who says, when, when referring to the way we're oriented in terms of modern society, she says, with their science, mm -hmm. they live badly oriented. Yeah. They don't, care, they don't care nor remember that by nature they were created. That's right. That's right. 
Yes, and so right. I love this conversation because when we think of the scientific method, the isolation, it's not looking at the whole. You know, it, it hurts me because the two things that I really have to say sometime, you know, when I'm teaching ancestor reverence, a lot of times I find uh, two attitudes that I have to heal. One is I will encounter a white person who says, oh, I don't want nothing to do with my ancestors. They were all terrible people. I'm a Heinz 57 variety mutt and there's nobody important in my line. Or I will encounter black people who say, why should I pay any attention to the ancestors? They let us fall into slavery. We weren't nothing, blah, blah, blah. And I don't accept that shit from either one of you. Mm-hmm. Okay, no. That is escapism. That is a refusal to take the time to look at history. That is uh, denial. That is uh, self-hatred. Mm-hmm. That you is know. self-hatred. <laughs> you yeah. know, and another and pandemic. Another pandemic, and we really, really, really have to heal from that. Mm-hmm. Once people plunge into it and work their way through the painful period, okay, you know, the period where alienation occurred, I have to say that Western culture especially is in a state of post-traumatic distress from the Inquisition. Agreed. Okay. Fully agreed. Thank you for going here. Keep going. Completely. They killed off all the wise women, right? Patriarchal Mm -hmm. thinking took over healing, Mm -hmm. and that is where gross sickness began. Mm -hmm. When you had a bunch of bearded men sitting in a university amphitheater with no connection they weren't even men who worked the earth. They, they didn't even plant shit, you know. They were all up in their heads. They ain't never had a baby in their life. They don't know nothing about nothing. So they rolling stuff around in their heads. And it ended up with things like electroshock. Mm-hmm. You know, it ended up with plunging people in pools of ice cubes. It ended mm-hmm. up with, it, it became you know, violent experiments on enslaved women in gynecology. It came gynecology. up. I mean, yeah. I mean it, it, it has been a terrible, terrible time. And at the same time, what also contributed to that is that the Catholic Church had such a stranglehold on people with the Inquisition, with the burning of books and knowledge, that the yeah, only man. way that that um that science could go forward with its exploration was to divorce itself from religion and religion oh, gosh, and spirituality wow. are not the same thing but they're paths they can be paths to the same thing it if should when married. be yeah you, you know it should be uh i often say you know the root of the word religion means to bind, you know, Mm -hmm. so you have a set of rules or beliefs that you are bound to, like strapped to, 
and you can't go outside of them. However, if you take the word spirituality, it's S-P-I-R-I-T, spirit, and R-I-T-U-A-L, spirit and ritual, you see. And so what we're talking about is being able to perceive the messages of nature and human need and based on spirit, create ritual, you know, that addresses that need. That's the difference. Spirituality, you know, come on now. Yeah, religion (laughs) to bind, obligation, bond, and then spirituality, breathe. That's Breath, right. spirit. And you know, yeah. that that's 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 the difference that I teach. And and once you get there, then the symbolism of all religions, which originally uh, had their roots in indigenous practice, you have to decolonize mm-hmm. what happened to those symbols. Like every time I see a Nazi swastika, Mm -hmm. I have to remind people that Hitler perverted a sacred symbol that used to mean the four winds. Mm -hmm. You go to Buddhist temples in Southeast Asia and you see uh, the the symbol for the four winds Mm -hmm. in the landscape of the gardening, on the walls, etc. But he took it and he flipped he flipped the straight line in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, I so felt a great sadness with this with Christianity as well because the teachings of early Christianity, especially from um, a teacher named Megan Watterson mm-hmm. who speaks about this, were so radical, were so not hierarchical, were mm-hmm. so connected to the nature and the mother, and then the Roman church perverted the teachings of exactly. Christ. Exactly. 11th century, honey. Somewhere in my... Unfortunately, the house I'm in right now is too small for me, so most of my stuff is in storage. But um, somewhere in my library, I have a book on 11th century Christian ritual. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's something you really want to see because, um, you know, you you can see if if you track it, you can see it moving from indigeneity toward, you know, patriarchy. Toward patriarchy. I think mm-hmm. the symbol of the cross, I always tell people if you look at an equal arm cross, you know, that's the balance between the sky and the earth mm-hmm. here on the horizon. But what you get in the crucifix is an attempt to move away from earth and further up you know, uh, ascension, so to speak. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you really research um, stuff, during that period of time, people were uh, executed on an X, not on a cross, you know what I'm saying. But, you know, it was made taboo to question, to investigate um, things like that. People know that symbols speak in amazing ways. So if you take the symbol for woman, a circle with an equal arm cross under it, it's the same symbol for Venus, the planet Venus. And if you loop it 
loop the circle, you have the Egyptian Ankh, which is life returning mm -hmm. and returning yeah. to balance. You know, I used to do a class on, um, I called it what archaeomythology or something. I used to do a class on the meaning of symbols, the changing meaning of symbols. Wow. And um, based on, um, oh, I hate, based on Angie Arian's work, I used to give people a symbol systems test <laughs> to see what's lurking in your consciousness. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> can we do that? Is there a way you can bring this class back and we can offer it to the Global Sisterhood? I want this class. Oh, well, let's let, let's let's talk about it. Let's think about it. I need to life is so vibrant right now, you know. Um I would need to look at my schedule, figure out um, when I can get to my resource materials, because a lot of my stuff is in my storage. So a class like that, I could probably pull it together by December. Okay. By you December. heard it here live. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, right now, what I'm very excited about, I have so many projects, y'all. I have so many projects. Um, this past Friday, I just finished recording the audio version of Jambalaya. Wow. So you'll be able to listen to me reading it. I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm working on a book of myth and folklore for... Um, for the University of New Orleans, wherein I intend to elevate and liberate the goddess Alba. It becomes very important because the main story that has existed about her, uh, that has been promoted about her for years, you know, uh, causes people to say, well, a woman who is experiencing domestic battery is simply a devotee of Oba. Bullshit, okay? I'm finna clean that up. Who is Oba? I've never heard of Oba. Yeah, see, you never heard of her, okay? Mm -hmm. And you won't until my book comes out because what you'll hear about her now is the wrong stuff. Right mm -hmm. now, if you ask somebody uh, who is who is Oba, most likely their their, their answer would be well, she's the goddess of battered women. Wow. Yeah, I'm not. Are there bi any? Are there any other facets of the goddess that represent her, like Lilith or Inanna, or any similarities? Well, it's interesting that you ask that because uh, me and Devorah Grimm are going to be doing a series of presentations on Lilith. You know who is who is uh, very very. Um, important for women to integrate into our psyches right now but um i don't i right now i would not equate oba with lilith you know uh being cast out is similar being misjudged is similar mm. but it's a it's a very very different story and i have a i have a new take on it that when my book comes out there's going to be controversy. When does the book come out? Well, 
Y'all, I need y'all to pray for me because I had yeah. I had promised my editor a finished manuscript by March 23rd, and I lied. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I probably won't get it till till June 23rd. So I'm halfway finished writing it. I've got mm. to do uh, the internal artwork for it. A good friend of mine, um, Nedra Williams is going to do the cover for this. And she there's a new cover for Jambalaya and a tw- and a 30-year retrospective in the new edition of Jambalaya. You know, I update what has happened in the tradition since um since Jambalaya was published. Yeah, when was it published? I'm looking on Amazon. You have 1746 reviews, 5 stars. So, <laughs> I think Amazing. it was published in 85. The Natural Women's Book of Personal Charms and Practical Rituals. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I think so it was important. published in 1985. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that. Um, very, very excitedly, I have, um, I have a house now in Ghana. And yes. And cool. uh, my, my partner in this is going to be going there to furnish it and decorate it and so on. And it is the site of what we're calling Ibukolea States. That's one of the names of Oshun. Ibukolea States Library and Gardens. Okay. Uh, we are going to hold, starting in March of 22, I will be uh, co-leading tours to reconnect with the mother okay so i will be taking people to ghana we will tour the old slave castles right we will do rituals to uh to uh dissipate the energy of slavery mm-hmm. we will uh work in the garden pluck our own food learn the local cuisine go to the market um have naming ceremonies we have the we have the blessing of the elders that we will be able to bring people for divination and you'll be able to find out uh your place in the Ghanaian system and you know names and what happens right now is we have a thing called words across the water okay and what it is is we have women in different places in the world, reading selections from Jambalaya and their own works. And we sell tickets through Eventbrite to these readings. And the money from that goes toward creating um, Ibukole Estates Library and Gardens. And I'm happy to say that in terms of tours, the first one, will be Ghana, but we also have invitations from Tanzania, Kenya, Madagascar, the Congo, um, Japan, India, Colombia, Haiti, Jamaica. Wow. I mean, you know, I, wow. I, yeah, the, so the, I, it's about reconnecting to Mother Earth. And, mm. and especially the ones to the continent of Africa, do you imagine those being for women that are descendants of Africa or would it be appropriate for women of my skin color and my ancestry to come as well? Yeah, 
the the primary focus, of course, is um, reconnecting people of African descent with the motherland. But the motherland, if the truth be told, Africa is the mother of everybody on the planet. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in my case, the way that I handle things, all right, it's really important for people to know that we are not going there as tourists. Okay. We're not doing the tourism thing. Anybody who travels with me will first have to read the book that Leilani and I did uh, on holy ground, commitment and devotion to sacred land. Okay. That is a guidebook to help people to understand that those of us who grew up in the West have been conditioned by conquistador consciousness. We have to heal ourselves from that and know that when we travel, we're walking on other people's sacred land and we need to have that kind of, that kind of attitude so that we don't go in demanding that Africa be America. We don't go in uh, without addressing the spirits of the land. We don't have a superior attitude to the local people. So people will have to read that book and take a workshop with me mm-hmm. on how we are going to, re- you know, relate. In that way, I feel that anybody who comes with me and who has gone through that process has enough spiritual understanding to be able to come with me no matter what your skin color is. Mm-hmm. See, because I do not want, I do not want Bubba with the gold grill and the bad attitude. You can't, you know, you can't come on a journey Bubba. with me if all you want to do is Peace, get to, uh-huh, no. Bubba, you got to learn how to conduct yourself. Or, I mean, I, let me tell y'all something. The 70s through the early 90s, I used to do sacred sites tours with people. I was a member of the Institute of African Mysticism. We were going to the Yucatan. We were doing various things. You know, um, I was uh, part of the School of Conscious Evolution. And what did it for me was I was in Egypt. And I saw a man put his cigarette out on the pyramids. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I, I mean, I, I was so disgusted that I didn't do any tours again for 12 years. Mm. And, and, uh, Leilani came to me one day and she said, Tish, she was doing tours to the sacred grounds in Hawaii and had experienced some atrocities there. And she said, Tish, you, you realize that if we don't teach people, how to conduct themselves, they won't know. Okay, they won't know. And so I want to take my hat off to her and say that every Tuesday for two years, Leilani showed up at my house with salad (laughs) to bribe me to work. 
and <laughs> salad great bribe great bribe <laughs> right you know and we worked on that book okay and when we thought we were finished with it i consulted the i ching and it said before completion there's still something else you need to do and when we went into it the last piece that spirit wanted us to do is everybody who reads that book the last page of it is an oath to Mother Earth and her children. And if you can't take the oath, you can't go nowhere with me. It's that simple. You'll be forever dubbed Bubba. <laughs> you know, people people have to learn because like I said before, we're all suffering post-traumatic stress from the Inquisition. We have been right. taught to think and feel the wrong way. We have to heal from that. We all have to heal from that. Mm. And see, the fact that you are smart enough to ask whether or not it's appropriate for you to go means that you are respectful enough and humble enough to learn. See, mm. that's what that's what makes the difference. Uh, unfortunately, I've encountered a lot of people who have the worst combination in the world, which is ignorance and arrogance. That's a bad combination, okay? Because if you are ignorant and humble, you can learn. You can learn, okay? But if you are arrogant and can't receive anything from anybody and always assume that you already are right, that's a problem because you can't learn nothing. You know, you cannot, you cannot learn anything. We always want to be open to learning and always knowing that spirit is stretching you every day. People say, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you've been a priestess for 40 years. Uh, can you tell me what to do to make it easier? It don't get easier. <laughs> Darn it. No. <laughs> no. What you talking about? No, baby. Easy. You get stronger. Mm -hmm. You see, it don't get easier. You get stronger. That's, that's what happens here. You know, it's like, um, I tell folks, um, foolishly once in a while, I try to bribe Oshun. Okay. I'm not, be I'm not beyond foolishness. Okay. So a while back, I went to my altar and I said, Oh, great mother Oshun. It's Tish. <laughs> Now, you know I'm your girl, right? You know I'm the one. I do whatever I'm supposed to do. But um, things look pretty crazy, and I'm trying to make a plan. And if you would just tell me what's going on for the next two years, I can make a plan, right? And I basically sat there, and you know what she told me? She said, do what I tell you to do today and then get up and do what I tell you to do tomorrow. That's the plan. 
I have to admit, I hear that often. <laughs> it's and true. I get, I'm like, oh, fine. I have to trust. I have to, I have to trust. Right. Day by day, knowing that I, I, day by day, as hard as it is sometimes, knowing that she know better than me. She's the better part of me. I'm the, I'm a part of her. And over and over, what happens is, cause, you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of fire in my, in my astrology chart. You know, I'm one of those people who, whatever's coming to me tomorrow, I want it yesterday. Okay. It should have already been here as far as I'm concerned. Why wow, you got me waiting? <laughs> kind of thing. Right. But I always find that if I do things on her time, she has arranged stuff to go smoothly, to encounter wonderful people, to learn new things. Whenever I buck. The flow. Woo! The flow of Oshun, yeah. Don't you get knocked down, honey? Mm-hmm. Find yourself swimming in the swill. <laughs> Real simple, you know, that the humility to consult spirit and be guided by what you receive is probably the wisest thing that I've ever learned to do. Hmm. I'm not as hard-headed as I used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Yee, I have a few last questions for you. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you take care of yourself on a day-to-day basis? How do you be a human and a spiritual person in this world right now? Um, I'm I'm always about community building. I'm always about yeah. community building. Uh, the pandemic did an interesting thing to us. It drove us inside and inside of ourselves. Some of us rolled around in some of them dark corners that we don't always look at. You know what? Which is good. Yeah, you know you have to you have to go in there and take a look at it. And at the same time, this switch to this format of, I do so many Zooms, I'm I'm thinking of myself as a Zoombie, you know? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but it has allowed us to reach people around the globe, okay? And I really do all of my, all of my rituals, um, like the words across the water, like the cultivating kinship, like the um, the mirror in the water, all of the workshops, all of the gatherings that I do, an important part of it is putting people into breakout rooms so that they can meet each other mm-hmm. and discuss things uh, with each other. And what I find is that people meet people in the breakout room and and they establish a relationship beyond that particular gathering, okay? Right. And so I encourage in chapter nine of Jambalaya, there's outlines for altar circles. I'm encouraging people to create circles, okay? We really do have to create circles. This is our plug right here. This is our plug-in. This is what we do. Yeah, yeah, we have to. Because we're humans, you know, and humans are not, you know, we're gregarious creatures and we need 
the pandemic has has pointed out that we need each other. The lines that divide us are not on the planet. They're in our minds. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. They are in our minds. And so you have to create family. Hopefully a day is coming soon when we'll be able to congregate in person. Okay. But until then, let's take advantage of this time and reach around the globe to connect. Mm. So Gigi, we have one final question for you. Mm. And it's funny because I feel like you've already been doing this the whole time. But if you were to speak as the divine mother to our audience, what would she want you to say? Oh, it's very, very clear. Um, the message <clears throat> that was given to me was to tell the women, did I send y'all a four post prayer? No. Is that the message? No, 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 no. Remind me to send you the four post prayer because it's okay. part of the message that, uh, that she, that she gave for me to give to the world. But the message is tell the women that they must practice wisdom, courage, and compassion. Mm. Wisdom, courage, and compassion. Those three things uh, come up over and over and over again. And so uh, that came up in the, in the reading for the year, you know, that, that the women needed to take the lead and that there needed to be um, a global response. So the link that I'm going to send you all is called the Four Post Prayer. And each prayer is connected to a tree. Hmm. And you will see when you, when, you, when you do the prayer, at the bottom, if you click on the link there, you will receive information about the tree, the spiritual significance of it, the healing properties of it, etc. Wow. This prayer is to be widely disseminated and it's an offering for people to do at their altars all this year. Wow. Yeah. We can help with that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, spread it around, tell tell people to use it, you know. Tell people to send me some energy to manifest all these um, projects that are on my plate. I tend to be one of those people who's always doing something, you know, always doing something. And I would just restate that I want every person listening to know that the energy of the universe is flowing down into you, right? And when it flows down into you, it awakens the ancestors, the consciousness of the ancestors, which is in your DNA and in your spirit. And that energy is used by you to maintain yourself and to create and go out into the world. 
you become that pebble that has light shining on it and in it and you drop into that water and what what you have to give vibrates out and out and out and out and out so to me when somebody says well i want to write a poem but i don't think i can or i'd like to da 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 instead of being sympathetic with them i accuse them of cheating me because you have something to give and you're not giving it, okay? And so you're cheating the rest of us of the gift that you carry. That's why I don't tolerate, my students are not allowed to say I can't or I don't know. I am in the process of be, being able to I am investigating myself, you know, always, always in the affirmative, always moving toward wholeness. Look at that. Thank you <laughs> so much. Ending with wholeness mm -hmm. and empowerment. Yeah. You are certainly a priestess, a wise woman, medicine keeper elder, phenomenal, badass chick. <laughs> we love you so much. Thank you so much. Well, I love what y'all are doing. Thank you so much for hanging out with us at the Time of the Feminine Podcast. To find Yeye Louisa Tish, you can go to her website at yeyeluisatish.com and we'll put that in the show notes. And you can also check out our book, Jambalaya, on Amazon. As for us, we run a movement called Global Sisterhood. It's a gathering of women around the world stepping into new paradigm feminine leadership through the art of facilitating women's circles. So far, we've helped over 15,000 women's circles get started, and we believe that coming together and supporting one another will lead to the rebalancing of our world. We hope you can join us for our next facilitator training so you can hold space for the healing and transformation in your community. You can learn more about our work and what we do by going to globalsisterhood.org or following us on social at The Global Sisterhood. It's an honor to serve the feminine rising on our planet so we can birth a new world. Until next time.